Thanks for downloading the MotoGP Jumpstart podcast. Please subscribe to us on iTunes if you already haven't done so. And send us some questions on Twitter at MotoGP Jumpstart. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking to you about our time in Mugello, where we went over to see the race live, and also a little bit about the forthcoming race in Catalonia. I really hope you enjoy it. Thanks a lot. So, AC, what a race we just saw. Where have you been spending the last weekend? God, we were in Mugello. We got one of the happy people, like, living this moment, emotional moment in Mugello. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were. We were out in Mugello for, um, for the race, which was uh, the most incredible time. I, I, I really thought out of all of the MotoGPs we've been to, this one felt special. <laughs> More than special. We've been to different races, uh, England, uh, Spain, Italy, but this one was absolutely incredible. I thought I was burning man when I arrived there, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was, it was crazy. So, okay, so other races we've been to, we've been to Solson a couple of times, we've been to Valencia, we've been to San Marino, but this one felt very different from the moment that we arrived when we... I mean, when we first arrived in a car and we did hire the most Italian car you could get on the planet, a little Fiat 500 convertible. Um, not a man's car, I have to admit. Uh, but w when we arrived and walked into the place, the tents uh, where people were camping and the camper vans were right up to the fence where the track was. There were uh, bonfires burning. There was remains of scooters in bonfires. You could see they'd set fire to scooters overnight and piles of beer cans that must have been about 200 cans high. Whatever. Yeah. You know, we, we missed something the night before. It looked wild. It looked like uh, if the, it, this was the last night on the planet and people decided just to party that's what Magellan did degrees like uh like the heat was absolutely unbearable uh well for a Londoner and yes like you're absolutely right people were camping inside the circuit like free booze like people, sorry to say that but more smoking joint <laughs> and you got a policeman everywhere but quite a happy policeman like best job ever it, it was actually unbelievable like the ladies were half naked everything you were i'm not like man i'm um, not selling you modello a... to you guys but my goodness <laughs> it was nothing comparable with it was a festival very yeah it was i told you i i thought it was burning man and it's nothing compared to uh uh, to Silverstone, where is pretty like corporate event, nothing compared to that. It was like everybody was free to do yeah. whatever we want, just you, just enjoy the moment. You, you're so right because when you go to Silverstone, and I love Silverstone, I think it's a good track. You can camp right next to it, but it it, it does feel very official when you're there. Uh, there are police everywhere. You, you know, nobody can go too close to the track. And in Mugello, and there's a hundred thousand <laughs> people who are camping at the track, you know, a metre away from the fence from the track. 
Remember, Robin, when we were in Silverstone and we had a barbecue next to the van at 11 p.m. And uh, the guy from the security said, like, oh, sorry, no sausages after 11 p.m., which was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing on the planet. And you could see, like, people naked making sausages next to the truck, <laughs> like, in which it was absolutely unbelievable. And was, to be honest, one of the best, 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 actually, like, the best truck. Uh, I, that we've been to. I agree. I agree. You're right. I remember it's it Silverstone. That guy came around, and told us to put the barbecue out because it was 11 p.m. And I was like, "Look, dude, my sausage is uh, about two minutes away from being done. If you wouldn't mind, I'd rather not give myself food poisoning. Can I? Can I just finish them?" And he opened a bottle of water and held it over the barbecue, like, "No, I'm going to put it out." You've got to finish right now. It's 11 o'clock on the dot. Yeah. Magello, on the other hand, everybody had a, a, a fucking chainsaw and were revving the engines off it. People had yeah, bikes that didn't even have wheels, just motorbike engines mounted to cages with huge exhausts on, just revving them to the limiter. No, it was Mad Max in real life. It was absolutely wonderful. And I love the fact that we managed to park at the complete wrong side of the entire circuit and had to walk for an hour and a half to get to where our seats were because we got to walk through all this chaos. Um, but we had free beers, remember? I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so so we managed to turn up and everywhere, you know, the beer's expensive. It's I think it was eight euros for a, a small warm can of beer. But we managed to turn up and um, we had uh, MotoGP Jumpstart t-shirts on. We had lanyards with our tickets hanging there. And when we ordered beers, the girl looked at us and went, oh, so... Um, That's free for you. They're free for you. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on. Uh, are they? <laughs> no, they're free for you. Like, well, okay, we won't complain. We'll take them. So we <laughs> grabbed the beers and just, just run. I did, you know, can't complain with that. But no, fantastic. Really enjoyed the circuit. Um, yeah, but you know, let's say like we've been very well welcomed. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but perhaps the most yellow circuit on the planet. We had a challenge that we gave each other to see who could see the first Lorenzo fan. Or, you know, Lorenzo flag, Lorenzo t-shirt, Lorenzo cap, anything. God, I've seen nothing, Robin. No, and we walked I've halfway through. I've seen two markers. We walked past Lots of Suzuki's. 70,000 people and I didn't see a single Lorenzo fan. I saw a couple of Marquez fans, but not a single Lorenzo fan. No, not, to be honest with you, I was very willing to win the challenge and I was paying attention to, <laughs> to the crowd, but couldn't find one Lorenzo fan. No, Not even as yellow one. as you can get. And I, I love that support for him. You, you know, every single camper van had um, made a special effort. They had stickers all over it. Uh, everybody was just in awe of uh, Rossi. But we should move on to the race. Yes. What about that race? Perhaps the most exciting this year. What a bonkers race. I would say it's the most emotional race. <laughs> yeah. exciting but well, the most emotional it, one it was emotional if you were watching it from home um, but being there at Mugello it, it, it couldn't have been more emotional to be honest I wanted to hug everyone there because you have to know that at Mugello 95% of the crowd maybe 98 actually is supporting Rossi so 
So to see all these people who came all around the world just to support this guy in Mugello, in his country, and seeing him like, well, you you all know what happened. It was kind of devastating, not for the for the for the race itself because it made it, like the race was still excited, but it's just for all these people who came all around the world to support this guy. And it was so disappointed and so sad. Yeah, because it was amazing. Because I mean, first of all, it was on pole. So there was high expectations and, you know, Rossi's never been much of a pole man. Um, and that's his second this year, which is a phenomenal start. And he was good. He was great and exci- oh, he was excited about this on track. the back of Lorenzo like a shadow. He was not giving him anything. Uh, Rossi, every single corner you could see, he was just working out, where is Lorenzo first? Where can I take him? Just, just keeping on the back of him. And every single lap that passed, it was amazing. Stood in the stands, the crowds went mad. We were just waiting for the moment that he was going to sneak past. But, alas, it didn't happen because he burst out in flames. And, uh, you know, the, there was a whole corner of the, ta- uh, the track that it was covered in smoke. You couldn't really see it on the TV, but when his engine went... A huge section of the track was just full of smoke. And it was so disappointing. And there were so many people in the stands that just sat down and didn't stand up again. That was it. That was game over. And, you know, within, I'd say, two or three minutes of that happening, you just saw lines and lines of people leaving. Yeah, just before going back to, you know, like what happened, uh, the key moment... Let's go back to the start. So, uh, Rossi and Paul, Lorenzo, yeah. I think, was fifth at this time. And if you look at the start, Lorenzo was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> it's like he came out of a catapult. I've never seen anyone start so well. You know, Pedrosa's always been the faster starter because he weighs nothing. But Lorenzo, holy shit, he was, he was first into the first corner from fifth. Yeah, and... and to be honest with you, even if Rossi was absolutely stunning and just right behind his back, like for I don't know how long, well, until like actually like his engine broke. Uh, but he tried a few attempts like just to overtake him. And you can see like Lorenzo, like the closing turn was absolutely stunning because he knows that Rossi was right behind. So even if Rossi was actually driving perfectly and it was just a second before, you know, we're just waiting for this moment that Rossi overtaking Lorenzo. But Lorenzo always managed to trick him. Like, at how many times, like every actually, I think it was every round of the track where like Rossi is gonna get him, Rossi is gonna yeah, get him, and now you've got like Rossi and got always this little advantage, <laughs> even if Rossi got the pace. Yeah, you know, you, you love him or loathe him, you've got to admit that Lorenzo is one of the best motorcycle riders that's ever lived. Isn't he it? is fantastic in, in, in every possible great. way, and that start was perhaps one of the most strong starts I've ever seen any motorcycle racer make. He he just, you know, like Rossi had a good start. It didn't matter, he was pole. And Lorenzo just came zooming past him. No, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Sorry, but I think the best start is Rossi last year at Valencia for the last, last race when he came from the back of the grid until, (laughs) what, second? 
third i don't remember but this start was absolutely the most stunning start but anyway <laughs> let's go back to Mugello. no fantastic so uh for lorenzo to win on that last lap and it was it was really needed that last battle because the energy at the entire uh, circuit had really dropped nobody was standing when the riders passed anymore everybody was a bit disappointed and then all of a sudden when Marquez put that late charge on Lorenzo and we all knew that Marquez is on a bike which he you know he doesn't like it's it's wild in the corners it's not got a lot of acceleration so for Marquez a guy who said that he'd be happy just to reach the podium to all of a sudden be in the running for uh, the win in that style, racing against Lorenzo, who's on top form, was fantastic. I mean, it really was an absolute back and forth. And that last corner, all of us at the circuit thought, okay, Marquez, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. And then Lorenzo to power back in, what was it, uh, two hundredths of a second? I mean, that's nothing. What a fantastic finish. I, I, I really think most exciting race of the year. You know, Mugello, always a great track. The riders always love it. But what a fantastic finish. Yeah, let's go back, because sorry, I'm a lady, so I'm very emotional. But let's go back to the emotional side of this uh, of this event. What something, well, so something I've never seen before is mm. obviously everybody was behind Rossi and Yanone who's done actually like a perfect job. Um, even if I was not really betting on Yanone uh, mm-hmm. on it, like you were Rob, but <laughs> I was like, Dovi is going to make it or it's going to be a Vignales behind. But, um, but outside Yanone is the first time that I see the crowd foreign Marquez like they didn't want You're Lorenzo right. to win. You're right. And everybody was applauding Marquez like let's do uh, it, baby. Let's right. do it. I've never seen so many Italians get behind a Spaniard. They just didn't want Lorenzo to win. Even but- me I was applauding like Marquez was like, Let's do it, baby. It just I mean, like, I have to admire Lorenzo for his style and the way of riding was like mm-hmm. and Mugello was absolutely superb. But Marquez, God damn it, he's done a fantastic oh, job. You just put everything because out there. he didn't get the pace at the beginning, and we're like, he's never gonna get him. He's, and he's uh, done it. He, he tried it so hard. He's such a gifted rider, though. And it's yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. you know, and, you know, I, I, I got a huge amount of respect for Marquez. He he really puts it all out there, and he's brought it together over the past couple of years. He's he stopped falling off quite so much, and. You know, that boy can really ride a bike at its limit. And you know what? Even over its limit, he can let the bike fall over in the corners and pick it up. And there's no problem whatsoever. But you're right. I was a bit of a Ianoni fan when I was there. I wanted to see a homeboy win. And the choice I had was Davizioso. Yeah, lovely chap. And Ianoni. And Ianoni's just been kicked out of the Ducati team. So... I really wanted him to make a little statement and do well and get on the to- uh, the podium. And when he managed to come from 10th place all the way back to the podium and just reel it back by smashing some fast laps. You know, the leaders were going quick. The fact he caught up to them just shows how fast he was going. And I thought that was really well deserved. And I was really pleased to see him uh, represent the Italians on the podium. And the Italians did go wild for him. I was really pleased about that. Yeah, it's true. It was, uh, it was, 
again, you know, when Dovizioso starting uh, putting some power uh, on the track and everybody starting, you know, cheering up for Dovizioso, which I was very also like surprised because he's uh, obviously a Spaniard. But uh, when Yanone got him, it was also another feeling like, yeah, Italian yeah. represent, <laughs> like, yeah, we've got someone on the podium and it's not our Rossi, it's Yanone. But I got, to be honest with you, I got a bit scared when it was this battle between Dovizioso and Yanone. I well, was like, it's going to be another, um, I don't remember the track where... Obviously, Yanoni <laughs> just pushed wipe them both out. Yeah. Well, officially, Ducati um, had said that if they were in a situation that they were behind each other, then they would need to wait a lap to overtake each other. So they take a lap just to take stock and assess the situation and then do the overtake quietly. Uh, but Yanoni basically just ignored that completely. <laughs> And just went smashing past Davidsioso. But Davidsioso was suffering from arm pump, which is never nice. Have you ever suffered from arm pump? So what happened to him? Because I didn't hear about him being yeah, injured. So Davidsioso was really struggling to break. Is He got a thing called arm pump where your, your uh, forearms just get absolutely full of blood. And they build up with so much pressure that you can't use them anymore. So Davidsioso was really struggling to, to break. So he couldn't break late. And it's a nightmare because when it happens, it's like game over. It, it, it takes ages and ages and ages to let it go. It's it's most commonly associated with rock climbers where you're using your forearms a lot. And when you're climbing, you reach a point where your forearms all of a sudden just don't work. And it's because you've got so much blood in your forearms. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. But Rod, when you're reducing when you've got... Uh, this issue mm-hmm. uh, what could be the impact would have been like actually better for him just to retire for this track and just no. rest and just go back like what it, can, can it, it means, can be worse okay. for him so it means that your your forearms get a lot weaker so he'd have been really struggling to break uh, which would have slowed him down and he says that he thinks he had the speed to win but because of the arm pump, he couldn't break late enough into the corners because his forearms were so weak, which is a shame. But um, I think he had a good result anyway. But what about Pedrosa? Again, did a classic Pedrosa, where spent the first half of the race just going, you know, decent pace. Then the last half of the race just turned it on and just like suddenly understood what the racetrack was about and just put a sudden charge on. Pedrosa came from nowhere and then just bang, 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 super quick. I'm so happy because for Pedrosa, because that's true, like he didn't do that well recently. And when they were talking about changing contracts, I was like, uh-oh, Pedrosa is at risk. And when they confirmed it for the next two years, I was like, thank God he deserves it because he's by far a bad rider. He's so good. But again, you know, like we said, that's a rider who loves being district district uh sorry discreet but he's um is someone who that's why you like we think that he cannot be a leader but he's definitely a good follower and can definitely yeah, surprise people and put people in danger he's a perfect number two but um what about don't forget mr vinales who is now officially going to yamaha 
the worst secret in the whole of MotoGP. Um, mm. I think we even broke that on Twitter before <laughs> before most huge agencies did. It, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to find out that that had already been signed. Uh, he he kind of had some troubles because he started very well on the grid, didn't manage to turn it into a result. Now, I wonder if that's a little bit that the pressure's been let off now that he's signed with Yamaha. You know he's got a phenomenal bike next year. You know, why push it too hard? I know he had a, a few little problems with his bike. I think his clutch was slipping a little bit. But I disagree with you, Rob. I'm disappointed as well. Uh, I thought Vinales would have done something absolutely surprising in Mugello because he wanted to show that, yes, he got a contract with Yamaha and he made it. And we would have known why he made it. Uh, He's been absolutely amazing during free practice and qualifying. Um, However... I think we had a very strong Ducati team with Dovi and Yanone. Absolutely amazing. I think Pedrosa also wanted to prove that, you know, you know, like why he's mm-hmm. been again um, hired by, uh, what hired? Renewed by Honda for the next two years. And we have got also like the unbelievable Marquez and the splendid uh, Lorenzo plus unfortunately Rossi yeah. broke there. But he's done a great job, even if I was expecting him like to be a, maybe in the podium. Because if Rossi managed to be on pole, we have to admit it's because of him. What, because he, he got a little toe? No, I agree. There was there was lots of um, very close action, uh, you know, with Rossi and Vinales giving each other a little help and the qualifying, which I think is fine. And, you know, I'm all for that. Hey, that's you know, it's now. technique, it's strategy. You go for that. Um, you know, but if you really want to talk about following, you've got to talk about Rossi following bloody uh, Lorenzo throughout the whole race. I, I, you know, I've never seen two people quite so close. And what was interesting was that every time that Rossi went a little bit wide, when he overbraked, right behind him was Marquez who did the same thing. Going wide. Yeah, I yeah, know, watching each other. Rossi's okay. going wide. Oh, Marquez is going wide as well. So to wrap up the murder GP, the kind of good news and bad news. The bad news is that we were there when there was huge potential for Rossi to win and my God, there would have been a party. But the good news is... It's been a party. (laughs) (laughs) That I think we need to go again next year. That really was uh, a a fantastic feeling uh, at that circuit. Uh, Those guys really know how to party. And if you ignore the fact that that we sat in the car park for three hours before we even moved a single car length. <laughs> I still think it was all worth it. But Moto2, go on, let's hit that briefly. Uh, that was another phenomenal race or, or races. Uh, absolute utter chaos. So the you know, first race went out, Sam Lowe's powering, powering, doing so well. Sam Lowe's just dominating oh, at the beautiful. front. Your uh, wee friend Zarko was back in, what, ninth? Uh, but fantastic races, such close racing. And and then, um, uh, unfortunately, due to a crash which took out an airbag, they decided to stop the race because it wasn't safe anymore. There was part of the track that wasn't protected by an airbag. Therefore, red flag. To be honest with you, remember, Rob, when we were, when this happened, like we had the red flag, everybody looked at each other. 
uh, on the bench uh, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> no one could really understand because it was not a massive crash, just a guy, you know, crashing. Yeah, yeah. On the so, so it was because in a vulnerable part of the track, and some of the protection had disappeared and they needed to replace it. I thought the confusion came about the shit show that was the restart. But what a mess. I know, I've never seen such a mess. Actually, I'm sorry to say that, but Robin had a little snooze because, I did, I fell asleep. <laughs> because it took so long. So it was like, oh, I'm going to snooze for five minutes. <laughs> and I woke him up saying like, oh, wow, they're coming back. They are back on the grid. And two minutes later, you can see the back going back, actually. <laughs> It was such a mess because I, it, it's as far as I, I understand <laughs> and, and, and obviously we were there so uh, we haven't heard the commentary of what happened but as far as I understand they, they were going for a quick restart which required everybody to leave the pits within 60 seconds which uh, is not a normal event so maybe some of the guys didn't realise that rule and some of the guys came out after the 60 second time limit from the pit lane therefore they when all the riders lined up those riders that had left the pit lane after 60 seconds um, were meant to start from the pit lane instead from a penalty as a penalty sorry uh, and because there were so many riders that had to start from the pit lane as a penalty they decided it was unsafe therefore they would go for a traditional restart but yeah. the problem was just the sheer chaos that it was happening that none of the riders seemed to know what was going on they were lining up uh, at the pit lane uh, left right and center at different times and being t told to go back no it was utter chaos but well, after that followed what you know a fantastic race you know a, a 10 lap sprint yeah you have um Guys, just want to remind you, we were in Mugello. <clears throat> the presenter, the commentator was Italian. We're not watching BT and having the information in English. <laughs> no. It was everything was in Italian. And what we could only see is the... the Men running around with yeah, clipboards and headphones and, and like, panicked. You, you, you going to the pit lane. Oh, and you as well. Oh, well, finally, you're going to the pit lane yeah. as well. And we're like, what the hell? We couldn't even understand and, why. And the only people we had to discuss it with were amazingly um, the night before we'd stayed in Florence. And when we were in the pub, we watched the qualifying and we started talking to a group of people outside and they were also here to see the MotoGP, we said hello, we had a little drink and then said goodbye to them. The next day we're at Mugello and there's a hundred thousand people there, we're sat in our seats and then who turns up to sit in the two seats right in front of us but these two guys we'd met in the pub, you know, there's a hundred thousand people there, they're in the two seats in the row in front of us, right in front of us and they've been for 20 years following the MotoGP and <laughs> and even them, they were very confused about what was going on. Yeah. They were like, I don't yeah. get it. I can't really uh, like, give you any insight. But, you know, I, I, that restart, I, it made for an exciting race. But I, I really feel bad for Sam Lowe's because Sam was dominating that first race. Sam had spent his entire weekend riding on it hard tyres he had his bike set up for hard tyres he was ready for the full distance and as soon as they dropped it down to 10 tyres then 
uh, sorry, 10 tires, uh, 10 laps, then those hard tires were not useful anymore. You needed to ride on soft tires. And Sam decided, well, I've been riding hard tires all weekend. That's how my bike's set up. I'll go out on hard tires again. Whereas the likes of Zarko, who'd gone out and done some laps on soft tires and had a soft setting, went out on soft tires and then was able to just dominate after that. It's been absolutely splendid. Yeah, you know, it was a fantastic race, but I've got to feel for Sam. I, I think that he'd done the perfect race and circumstances made him lose. I know that most of the people who are hearing us tonight, um, or well, today anyway, like our English, but being French and being in Mugello and knowing this massive, terrible <laughs> event with Rossi, it makes me feel better to sing the Marseillaise yeah, again. It, it, it did become England versus France. Yeah, but Zarko is half French, half Italian, so you could see all the Italian supporter behind, which was absolutely amazing. He's half Italian. Yeah, he's half, that's why on his helmet you can see like the Italian flag the and the French flag. Japanese flag. No, Zarko is uh, half Italian. Uh, so the thing is, it was absolutely splendid to see a French winning the Mugello, Mugello Moto 2 uh, event it was absolutely great mm. and i lost my voice to be honest so i couldn't even <laughs> scream when rossi uh just burst because <laughs> i had no voice anymore no voice left but it was so great i mean it only took four restarts he took four restarts but he made it at no, the but end at the you same know he's part I... of the game he made it and he's still you know, i'm still convinced as the best rider in moto 2 and he's going to suzuki next year I felt that we got good value for money because we got to see so many first corners in that Moto2 race. We got to see uh, three first corners in that Moto2 race. It was an excellent value for money because it's the most exciting corner of the whole track, even if they were called off very quickly. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that, but I wanted to go to the toilet between like Moto2 and MotoGP. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not even sure we'll get time, to be honest with you. I was probably too busy sleeping between then. <laughs> No, but, you know, we're moving on from that, we, we've got Barcelona next, Catalonia, which is a, you know, famously um, Spanish-dominated track. It will be won by some Spaniards. You know that. I mean, last year, Lorenzo won. And Lorenzo's, you know, smashed that so much. Um, Marquez fell off fairly early. But I think we're going to see a Lorenzo Marquez battle, regardless of how bad that Honda is. Um, Rossi was actually second last year, but... I think Rossi's got something to prove, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's the Spanish pride at stake. Yeah, but don't you think that um, they will tweak the back? They will tweak the back, especially for Rossi. She made it absolutely perfect for him, like to be the champion. <laughs> One thing we know oh, is... Oh, God, we're all talking about conspiracy. Conspiracy, <laughs> this is not good. One thing we know uh, is that Rossi's going to have a new engine, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the choice, right? I know he's running out as well. Those Yamahas have burned a few engines. But I, I, I think it's going to be a good race. But I think it is going to be a, a big Spanish show. Uh, I think it's going to be a Lorenzo Marquez battle, but I think it will be a really exciting one to watch. It's a fantastic circuit. It's uh, not particularly big. It's got a lot of very tight turns, a lot of hairpins, uh, which are excellent for overtakes. I think we'll see some 
touching of bikes. I think it'll be exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm just being concerned about the championship and Rossi. I don't. Uh, even if I, <laughs> I love him gone. and I'm full of hope, uh, it's going to be very hard for me and for him like, to be the champion. As, as soon as you think that something's gone, that's like Marquez and Lorenzo at uh, Mugello. You know, Lorenzo could have thought, oh, okay, shit. Marquez has won. That's it. Game over. But no, he kept on going and he ended up winning. And that's the same thing with the championship. You never give up. You keep pushing because you never know what's going to happen. You never know if a rider's going to slip, fall, break their collarbone. And that's it. They're out for three races. You just keep putting the pressure on. By the way, I want just to tell some things. Like uh, when we were having this podcast talking about Le Mans, we talked about the French were not very supportive and, and not very sporty in terms of, you know, like obviously like spirit. They were booing a lot, Lorenzo. What, to the other riders. Uh, they were booing a lot, Lorenzo, and because obviously he, he just you know like he was um, I would say leading the leading the track, leading the race. And I do remember when we were in Mugello, and we're like, I'm sure the Italian would be a bit more decent and appreciate the sport and not about <laughs> no. booing when Rossi is not on top. <laughs> Actually, that was the opposite. It was absolutely awful. And Rossi made a comment in an interview saying that he was very disappointed by like, the behavior of the crowd booing a lot Marquez Lorenzo when actually they've done a massive and beautiful like last, last lap. It was a pure championship and and yeah it just like i want to say that it was kind of disappointed to see again this kind of behavior in italy uh, I, 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 I don't know they, they were a bit unsupportive I was a bit, but lorenzo <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was only because uh you know rossi is their boy i've never seen such love for any sporting person in the whole planet and as soon as the race started between Marquez and Lorenzo at the end, everybody was back involved again. You know, people want to see a show. Of course, they want Rossi to win, but they want to see a show at the same time. And I thought overall the, the feeling was, was, was very pleasant. But we're on to the next one now. Barcelona. Okay, AC. Top three. What are your oh, predictions? God damn it. I'm always wrong. Uh, I would say that Rossi on the podium... I want number one first. Lorenzo. Okay, number two. That's very painful what I'm saying, but yes, Lorenzo first. Uh, secondly, I could see, I could see a Dovi somewhere. Okay, and then, then what? I have to put Rossi on the podium, even if I'm not too sure about <laughs> it, but I have to. Okay. So Lorenzo, Dovi, Rossi. I'm going to go for Marquez, Lorenzo, Rossi. But until then, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, if, you, if you like what we do, please leave a review on iTunes or whatever mechanism you, you download it from. We love you all. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. See you next, uh, not next week, two weeks ago.